0: Hey fitness enthusiasts, welcome to the Fitness Knobs Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and performance. I'm your host Matt Flynn. This isn't your average fitness talk. We explore the nitty-gritty details that fitness enthusiasts crave, from sun exposure to gut health and everything in between. Subscribe now and join us on this journey of learning and curiosity. Share it with your fitness buddies and help us grow by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review. Let's unravel the mysteries of exercise, one meticulous discussion at a time. I'm Matt Flynn, your guide to the art of progress. Welcome to the Fitness Snobs Podcast. I did mention this before, but like I, I wanted to bring you on to speak specifically kind of around, a, around youth basketball, because that's what I kind of see you doing primarily on Instagram. So before we kind of get into that, I just want to ask you a little bit about what's your background with your own basketball training, kind of when did you get started? And then after that, just kind of talk about like why you specifically got into youth basketball training as kind of your specialty
1: or niche. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of growing up, I played all the sports. I played every sport that my school had. I uh, I was always like a gym rat. I'd go to the gym in at lunch hour. So I was always super interested in all the sports and uh working out and everything but by far my my favorite sport was always basketball. Mm-hmm. I did a bunch of basketball camps as a kid and that was that was like my passion. I was like obsessed with basketball. Um so throughout the years I um, just kind of got more and more into that. Took it uh pretty competitively. And then it's kind of funny because in junior high and high school all I wanted to do was just Dunk and jump higher and, and be a more explosive, athletic basketball player. Like every basketball mm-hmm. player, if you ask like any teenage kid who's playing basketball, if they want to dunk. That's probably like their main goal. So I was uh, I did a few different jump programs in my basement. I have like a little mat set out and you know annoying my parents with banging around and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. did a bunch of jump programs and um, I got you know I improved my athleticism and I was doing uh, cross country at the time a lot a lot of long distance running. Mm-hmm. to train for basketball because I thought that would kind of be the key that would make me more athletic um, which when it came to playing a game like I could play a full game I had good stamina but mm-hmm. when it came to that explosiveness and that jumping and that uh, quick first step I just didn't have that because I wasn't training it properly and this is I didn't realize this until years and years down the road so when I graduated high school I I couldn't dunk. I dunked one time and warm up on a rim that was like bent down.
0: With a, be- a beanie bag or a volleyball yeah. or something?
1: Dodgeball. dodgeball. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, um, it was it was kind of one of those things where I'd uh, work towards dunking and jumping higher and I'd improved my vertical, but just hadn't got to that level that I wanted to be at. And then it wasn't until after uh, I finished high school, moved out. I was living on my own in Lethbridge and uh, wasn't going to college yet. I was just working for a couple years and I kind of just started hitting the gym consistently. Growing up in a, a smaller town, um, I didn't really have access to a ton of uh, gyms or coaches and just access like this was before social media. You couldn't just like hop on Instagram or YouTube and get all these nuggets and stuff. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff out there too these days, but Yeah, I was watching like the old original YouTube videos and uh, Yeah, so then once I graduated high school uh, Was hitting the gym on my own started to kind of lift heavy experiment with some things learn some things um, and then Worked for two years and then decided I wanted to go to college Um, So in those two years that I had been just training and working on my own Mm -hmm. I completely transformed my athleticism. I was now I I was jumping like getting my elbow to the rim Whereas before I had barely been able to grab the rim, couldn't dunk. Now I was like dunking with ease, and I was just like, "Holy smokes!" Like I, I didn't think like I was like I tried to do this for years, and I couldn't uh, couldn't improve my vertical and uh, explosiveness, and then just did it in a couple years, just with with training um, more properly, doing some right things. So that kind of, anyways, long story short, kind of sparked my interest. Where I was like, if I can transform my athleticism like this myself, like I can actually help other people do this. So that's kind of where that started. And then I ended up um, walking onto a a high level college basketball team um, after not having any looks out of high school, just because I wasn't physically, athletically uh, strong and fast enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But then over those couple of years of training, um, I was able to get myself to where I walked onto the team. I was like one of the more athletic guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just kind of went up from there. And then over the years, that's kind of where I continued to refine and, uh, work on my own training and I was just like, man, like it is completely possible to transform your body and athleticism and health. And to experience that myself was, was pretty motivating that I was like, I think I want to do this for a career and help other people, um, do this with sport and just with, with, uh, life as well too. So. No,
0: oh, that's awesome, man. So when you say that you were doing the right things, like comparing that to your, your high school training, what was the, the difference? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that maybe, Cause you were doing the long distance running. Maybe it was just too much volume as, as a whole or so. What what were some of the differences between your high school strength based training to the strength training you
1: were doing uh, in yeah. college and afterwards? Yeah. Great question, man. The, I was absolutely doing just too much low intensity volume and not enough high intensity or strength work. So I was doing like, you know, jump repetition for like 20, 30, 40, 50 reps or like hundred rep little hops and stuff which there's a time and a place for those. Those are important to develop like some elastic and springy properties in the body. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have to be able to, you know, you have to combine that with some proper strength training, like actually lifting heavy weight, some uh, proper resistance training, and and explosive plyometrics. Like I was never maxing out and jumping as high as I possibly could, other than basically just trying to jump up and, and touch the rim or whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. just doing some proper loaded plyometrics, um, some proper heavy lifting, uh, squats, squat variations, Bulgarian split squats, lunges, step ups, that kind of stuff, deadlifts, RDLs, mm-hmm. um, just really developing the posterior chain, and uh, and some loaded jumps. So really just um, kind of adding in some more of the high intensity and strength work, combining mm-hmm. with the the plyometrics. A lot of these like at home jump programs are. A lot of plyometrics which is awesome but they're kind of lacking out on the uh the strength and then as well just form and technique like you can do all the exercises you want in the world but if the if the form is not ideal and if you're not getting the intent that you want then uh just kind of leaving some gains on the table so it was a it was a long process but yeah and I imagine,
0: too, like in, in basketball, like a high school basketball athlete, they're doing a lot of the kind of springy, jumpy stuff already in practice, totally. in in games. So if you're doing that outside the gym, it just ends up being too much. Oh,
1: right? much ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is notorious for injuries. Uh, I went through it. I, I feel like a lot of basketball athletes go through it. Just notorious for ankle and knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Tons, of, uh, tons of injuries um, just from rolled tweaks, um, landing on feet that kind of stuff. And a lot of that comes from uh, like when people are under fatigue and then as well, just like a lack of a lack of uh, training that properly to prevent injury. But yeah, totally. Like every time you're on the court, it's a ton of like springy, jumpy um, plyometrics and running and stuff. So you're getting a ton of that as a basketball athlete. I think a lot of basketball athletes just aren't getting that like heavy strength stimulus to kind of counterbalance um, that quick springiness on the court that they get a lot of. Yeah. So
0: I guess I'm safe to say that when you're working with kind of someone who's interested in improving their vertical, you probably focus primarily on building strength and incorporating some sort of like progressive element to the plyometrics sure. and, and weight training. Can you go go into a little bit of depth around that?
1: Yeah, so yeah. For sure. So one of the the biggest things um a lot of athletes that come in, there, there'll be athletes kind of from all over the spectrum. Um what I kind of start with someone is, first of all, just kind of identifying where they're at right now, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their performance gaps are, and uh, what we need to work on. So kind of identifying where they're coming in at um, on the force velocity spectrum, or just in general, kind of where they're at with their athleticism. So if I get, say, um, say like a high school athlete, who's a bigger, bulkier guy, maybe he's like more of a football player, but loves basketball as well and wants to really, uh, take basketball to the next level. Maybe he's, he's super strong. He's got a ton of strength. Um, but what he's lacking is that like explosiveness, that springiness, um, that quickness on the first step, which maybe he's not a guard. He might not to be, might not need to be the most explosive, but, Mm -hmm. um, so what we'll do is we'll work on, uh, improving his strengths. So we'll, We'll work on maximizing his strength and loading him up and and building that up. Um, but at the same time, we're going to focus on conditioning him to be more springy, more elastic, more bouncy, mm-hmm. and kind of um, training those qualities with plyometrics and, and different uh, progressions through that. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times, um, the most most uh, basketball athletes that come in, you know, you picture a typical junior high, high school athlete. They're going through a growth spurt. They're long. They're lanky. They're skinny. Um, a lot of them, it's like getting in enough food and then strengthening them up so that they have that strength to play at that next level. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of those guys are super springy, super quick, explosive, can change direction, can have a good stamina, can play a lot of uh, minutes. But mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes down to like finishing through contact or just being strong and explosive or playing at that next level of, of college or university or pro where you're, you're going up against full grown men and you're you know you're just a teenager, um to to really get that strength level up so that you're able to compete. For myself personally, that was the biggest difference from high school to college was like skill level, there's guys are more skilled, but in general, like guys are way bigger and stronger. In fact, like you're getting the biggest, strongest guys off of other teams that that make it to that next level. So the athleticism mm-hmm. and the physicality and the strength is huge for a lot of these uh a lot of these guys are like finishing up their growth spurts and aren't aren't necessarily the the biggest, bulkiest. But we also want to encourage those springy athletic uh, tendencies. I don't want to bulk them up and and lose any of that speed and that springiness at the same time. So, Yeah, I was in kind of the next question I was asked was like, how do you balance
0: those two characteristics? Because obviously Hmm. there's some positive benefits from being longer and lankier and springier, and you don't want to take that away because that's almost like, in a way, their strength.
1: Totally. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's exactly like that. So working on improving the So whether that's if they're springy, working on maximizing that and really uh, improving that, and progressing that, or if they're already coming in super strong, not ignoring that, but maximizing and building on that and then filling in those gaps. So exactly like you said, like whatever that gap is, I might have a say if I work, um, you know, I got four athletes in a group. Maybe two of them are bigger, stronger, and they need more of that explosiveness, that springiness, and maybe two of them are skinnier, springier, but they need that strength. So I'll get them doing slightly different programs. Similar, but the focus will be more on strength for the skinnier guys, and then more on springiness and speed for the the bigger guys. But still, also, I like to sprinkle in a little bit of everything um, through most of my programs so that you're not really ignoring anything at any given time sprinkling in enough just to maintain those those qualities and those properties, um, and then kind of having that different focus. Also depending on the, the phase, right? So if they're in season and they're playing games and they have practice every day, um, just basically doing enough to to help them stay healthy, um, help them maintain, and then off season, we can really build and focus on like adding some mass and some strength and, and really going through like a growth phase there. How how long is a typical
0: off-season for kind of these youth basketball players? Is it a good amount of time? Is it giving you enough time to build a good strength, uh, yeah. muscle mass foundation?
1: Yeah, so you know what with uh with basketball these days, so there's always something going on for whether it's like club basketball, school season, um, camps, training, um, going down and and doing uh camps or uh or little trips to the state so a lot of these basketball athletes in calgary are playing almost year round um so for some of them they're playing half the year some of them they're playing pretty much year round yeah um but that being said there is typically going to be a a few months where they have uh, a little bit more time so kind of depending on each athlete and where they're at and, and they're for the summer and whatnot but typically throughout the summer um that's the biggest off season for a lot of these athletes when uh they're able to really kind of focus and not in school so uh really able to like some of these guys you know leave uh leave like grade 10 and they come back in grade 11 and they've grown a couple inches Mm and they've uh they've put on a lot of strength and size so the off season kind of during those summers is uh some guys have pretty exciting to see they uh they come back just like transformed yeah definitely Mm -hmm. do you feel like in
0: terms of like these these athletes are kind of playing year round that's in a way can be a detriment to them because there seems like they're specializing quite early in in terms of basketball do you see that being a problem in practice
1: yeah Yeah, so that's uh that's definitely something that's uh, a a hot topic a conversation a debate because the whole idea of like you know if if someone wants to be a good basketball player they're like hey you know 10 years old we gotta go to this camp and then we gotta play school and then club and then we gotta do all these other training sessions which is which is great but I think there is a a sweet spot and you want to really maximize on as many sports as possible until a certain age, because there's so many uh, characteristics that you can develop in terms of like coordination, uh, speed, change of direction, even just understanding different sports and the rules. Maybe if you're playing soccer, um, but you want to play basketball, soccer is really going to help you with your footwork. Um, maybe if if you're doing martial arts, but you want to play basketball, like martial arts is really going to help you with like your ground game, like getting low bailing, landing properly. Um, mm-hmm. just having like functional strength to twist and turn and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, gymnastics to be able to like learn and jump and, uh, learn how to jump and land and bail and, and, uh, you know, just get comfortable with the body. So mm-hmm. I think, I think like, and I would encourage for, for all parents and, and young athletes to do as many sports as possible when you're young and then get to that age like 13, 14, 15 um, when things start to get a little bit more serious. And then especially in like high school, 16, 17, 18, um, things get pretty serious and bigger time commitments. So I would say until you're kind of like, you know, mid-teens for a lot of those athletes, like take advantage of as many sports as possible um, develop as much coordination and as many get comfortable in all these different movement patterns in sports and sports. And those will help you um, to be a better basketball athlete. And then also just to be more um, all around coordinated. Like we all know that guy that's just like good at everything, <laughs> you know. Um, a lot of that probably just comes from playing a lot of sports and doing a lot of stuff growing up. There's key developmental windows when we grow up where if we – are specialized too early you're just missing out on developing certain movement patterns. So Mm -hmm. definitely a big fan of, uh, of playing all the sports and and all the different activities and not specializing too early. But, Mm -hmm. uh, and then even when guys do specialize, still doing something fun on the off days, like playing different sports and, uh, and just messing around and and keeping, keeping it fun. Mm -hmm. Is that something you
0: do in like your strength, uh, sessions is incorporate some, maybe other kind of, uh, sports or activities that kind of develop these other skills just to keep things fun, but also kind of develop other characteristics outside of what you would be kind of doing in basketball?
1: Yeah. Um, in my sessions with uh, the basketball athletes, I will throw in um, some different, you know, we'll do a bunch of different like races, uh, different games, like like agility games and stuff like that. So not necessarily like playing different sports, but um, doing different activities that's not necessarily like, Okay, this is like specifically for basketball players. It's going to make you better on this. Just general movement and games and drills um, mm-hmm. to help with movement, whether it's like even like crawling, um, doing weird little like low walks just to work on getting comfortable being low. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like just all different types of movement that you'd just be like, like – it kind of just looks like, you know, like a kid just kind of playing around in an open room or something, you know, hopping, rolling, changing direction, crawling – jumping that kind of stuff but uh yeah really just like getting these athletes used to moving in in different ways Mm -hmm. uh, and just getting them familiar with their bodies so
0: that's awesome yeah because like nowadays i think that's even more important than it was 10 20 years ago because like us growing up we'd we'd spend a lot of time outside Playing with our friends, just doing a bunch of random things that would maybe incorporate these kind of some of these activities that you're speaking of. But now if people are just kind of on their phones, playing video games. They're missing out on these things that, like you said, can be very important during those earlier year, earlier years for building that to athleticism.
1: For sure, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad that uh, I think we hit a sweet spot, man. I think we <laughs> missed out on. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of tools that they have with social media and stuff that kids can use these days, but man, Uh, I couldn't imagine being a, you know, a 12 or 13 year old with a, with a phone and access to social media and apps and all this stuff. And just how, like how hard it is to, uh, you know, not waste time on our phones as an adult. I couldn't imagine growing up with as a kid. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, for a lot of these athletes, like a lot of these youth, it's just so much of it is if you want to be a better athlete, like these days, just like put the phone down, get outside, go play, go play pickup, run around, play different sports with your friends, like go for bike rides. And in general, uh, yeah, huge fan, huge fan of uh, sunlight, as you know, like just getting outdoors and just being active. And I think that honestly, there's a huge aspect of that that starts with youth. If a a kid can see their parents working out and exercising and playing sports and, and doing their thing, they just want to be like mom and dad like they'll literally like you see kids all the time stand beside their parents and start mimicking what they're doing in the weight room or whatever so um i think instilling it um young is super important for for a lot of these kids to uh to kind of develop that passion that uh that desire to play sports and and be good definitely
0: no that's yep. some some great advice i want to kind of go back into some of the strength training stuff so um this is kind of like a highly uh debated topic nowadays around like what exercises translate to the basketball court in terms of strength development. Um, what is your opinion on that? Is there specific lifts like the deadlift or the barbell back squat or the trap bar that you find kind of be most beneficial for youth basketball players trying, trying to get some sort of transfer to their sport? Or do you think it's more about just building general um, uh, capabilities across different things like strength, power, et cetera, yeah. that they can kind of apply
1: to their sport? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of focus these days. Um, You know, like everyone's like obsessed with sports specific movements and sports specific lifts and everything, which I think that term is almost just gotten hijacked to just like a lot of terms these days. But I think sports specific stuff is important because you do want to Obviously keep in mind what you're training for and and you know you're at the end of the day, you're gonna train a football player different than a basketball player, different than a jiu-jitsu athlete or whatever it is. Yeah. But at the same time, I think a lot of the principles are the same. Um in general, we want to improve strength, we want to improve um like stamina, power, um, coordination in general. And then there's gonna be different focuses um beyond that. But yeah, I think like for basketball athletes specifically. Um, Like you said, a few of the main lifts, like I think squats for sure. Um, Now that doesn't necessarily mean like a barbell back squat, like that could be loading up goblet squats, front squats. I really like starting off on front squats to um, develop the posture before we just start loading up the back squats. Mm -hmm. Um, Hex bar squats or hex bar deadlifts, um, Bulgarian split squats, um, step ups, lunges, like any type of squat or lunge, uh, variation. I think all of those are super important, especially the single leg work for a lot of basketball athletes. Cause so much of basketball is cutting, planting, jumping, changing direction off of the one leg. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of unilateral, uh, exercises. Um, and I think it's huge, uh, to develop the posterior chain. So a lot of RDLs, um, you know, hip thrusts, um, A lot of back back work and and pull work in general Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i I would say like not necessarily like one or two or like if there's a few specific lifts i would say principles like you said the getting strong with your compound lifts Mm -hmm. um and then focusing on having some push and pull strength um and then sprinkling in plyometrics some loaded plyometrics races change of direction that stuff so my sessions are are pretty structured, so it's kind of a, a full body session. It's not like we're doing a, a leg day one day, like an upper body, like a push day one day and a pull day another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my sessions are full body. So we'll kind of start off, get warm, do some speed and power work at the beginning when guys are fresh and their um, nervous systems are able to fire on mm-hmm. full cylinders. And then we get into heavy compound lifts. So that's going to be a squats, lunges, sleds, hex bar, that kind of stuff. And then we'll kind of go into the accessory or the upper body push, pull and finishers and stuff like that. Um, So I think in general, just having a good combination. But uh, I think the biggest key is just progressive overload knowing where someone's at and starting them not you know someone hasn't lifted before not trying to get into it too quick and do anything too fancy but just really just focusing on building those fundamentals like mastering the fundamental movement patterns mm-hmm. and just really uh strengthening um and mastering those those patterns mm-hmm. and those uh fundamentals and then you can have fun later on
0: yeah that seems like a, the common theme for like all levels it's like it always comes back to the basics let's make sure that we're doing the basics really well even as you get more advanced more intermediate in these in these sports um you the more you do these things the less you get away from the basics so like at the end of the day it's like how do we get back to the basics how do we make sure we're doing everything everything with good technique good form right
1: yeah absolutely man yeah and you see like i see videos of Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, like all these guys on Instagram, like a lot of these videos of their trainers working with them, they're, they're doing basic fundamental stuff. They're mastering their deadlifts. They're mastering their uh, split squats and it's not anything crazy. You know, kids will see them doing some clip and they'll be like, oh, this is what I need to do to be like Steph Curry. But honestly, kids at the end of the day, <laughs> the pros are mastering the fundamentals. So yeah, I think you nailed it. That's, that's the biggest thing is don't get caught up in the, the crazy looking stuff. Yeah,
0: definitely. And how many for like someone who's kind of just getting into it, like how many days per week do you recommend they kind of get that's required to see some sort of positive change to to their game?
1: Yeah, great question. So for example, I've worked with uh, some athletes that are, you know, just focused on school and they like play video games for fun and they're not doing any other sports. So for someone like that, um, I would say just getting in uh, doing something a few days a week. So start with like two or three days a week i just doing something like like 15 or 20 minutes. Maybe that's even just like going for a walk, doing a few push-ups and lunges at home, and like maybe skipping rope for a couple minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, for athletes that are more serious, uh, say you're you know a junior high or high school basketball athlete, you're trying to get to that next level. You're already training, playing uh, a few times a week. You know you're doing something most days. Um, maybe you're working out already. I would say if you're at that level where, where you're able to hit the gym consistently, uh, or you have been hitting the gym consistently, I would say just progressively overloading. So if, if you are getting sore for more than a couple days and you really feel like it's slowing you down and you have to, uh, you know, you're just, you're just feeling sore and, uh, like overtrained that is not, not doing you, uh, uh, a service That is not doing you a favor. So overtraining for youth basketball athletes, I think, is a big issue. A lot of times, like, they'll have a couple weeks off for Christmas, maybe play ball with uh, friends a couple times, but then just jump back into it. So there's these huge fluctuations in this roller coaster of huge amounts of volume in a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. and then not much volume for a couple weeks or maybe for the summer. Some of them, you know, are just on vacation or not training. And then they come back in, it's like all of a sudden basketball season. So I think the biggest thing is, is listening to your body, not overtraining the whole idea of like more pain, uh, or no pain, no, ba- no gain. And mm-hmm. just like train harder. And David Goggins is go, go, go harder, harder, mm-hmm. harder. Not necessarily the best for everyone. If you're, um, if you're at that level, but for a lot of people the overtrain is going to take away, especially if you're trying to train and make yourself more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a that's very important to not overdo with the volume um so keeping the quality high and the quantity at a a level that uh you're able to progressively overload so for some people that might be starting off with a a few minutes or 15 minutes a few days a week um for some people that might be um you know four or five sessions a week but honestly anything over like five weight room sessions a week for a basketball athlete might be overdoing it, mm-hmm. um, I would say just don't overtrain for a lot of those uh, young basketball athletes. Just remember that it's the long-term progression, the consistency over months and months and years and years, rather than just going hard for a couple of months and falling off and then making it back up and going hard for a couple months. The, cons- mm-hmm. the key is the consistency. Yeah.
0: And when you have those big kind of swings in, in workload from going from nothing to high amounts to nothing to high amounts, I imagine that's when you see a lot more
1: injuries as well. Tons of injuries, man. Yeah. Uh, notorious. Like I it's I can't tell you how many times um, uh, you know, after an athlete's been sick and they haven't trained for a couple of weeks, and they're like, Oh, I just got back into it though and played every day this week, or after, you know, a, a week of like reading break or the summer, or whatever almost a guarantee. Um and you see this with adults too that like don't play basketball for a year and then they're like, oh, there's an alumni tournament and then they tell and they like <laughs> tell or something. So just in general, um yeah, like <laughs> knowing where you're at and uh the consistency and not uh not those huge fluctuate. Those huge fluctuations absolutely will cause injuries. Uh it definitely increases uh your probability of getting injured. So stay consistent, do something every day.
0: Yeah. I'll- I was about to say like that's why it's so important like when you're when you're having these down times it's not like or when you're deloading it's not like you do absolutely nothing you still have to keep some sort of base baseline strength and conditioning into your life even like you said if it's maybe doing some stuff at home push-ups lunges rear foot elevated split squats all those things just to kind of keep some sort of baseline so that when you do go back you don't have these massive spikes and volumes, and run into injuries. So,
1: hundred percent, yeah, yeah. The consistency of doing something like even on off days or rest days, just going for a walk. Like I know you're a huge proponent of uh, of walks for recovery and blood flow, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's literally it's it's about making it a lifestyle rather than just uh, going through huge spurts up and down. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved,
0: I saw one of your Instagram posts where you essentially, you have a daily kind of morning ritual where you're doing some sort of activity and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's a training day or an off day, you just have kind of like a baseline movement kind of uh, a
1: ritual essentially. Yeah, absolutely man. Yeah, the um, the consistency of some some daily movement routine, even if that's just 10, 15 minutes of some stretching and some mobility. Just uh or you know if you hit a a few pull ups and push ups if you do a set of push ups and pull ups every single day, it takes one minute like you will never lose the ability to do push and push ups and pull ups you'll always be able to do that you know mm-hmm. um so many people just go months and months and months and years and years like how many how many people after they turn thirty sprint again in their life like less than half I would say, <laughs> so I'd say way less than that yeah less than half yeah, so i mean if you're if you haven't sprinted or or done anything, obviously, you know, the whole, I use the phrase, uh, don't use it, you lose it and use, if you use it, you'll never lose it. So, uh, yeah, big part of the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So
0: obviously there's going to be times where people don't adhere to what we're talking about in terms of, of kind of doing things on a daily basis. So, do you have what are some kind of practices you have around treating some of these injuries that you're that you're faced with? You have some kind of strategies that you can implement to maybe help them get back to a hundred percent faster than just kind of doing mm-hmm. nothing at all.
1: Like return to play from uh, injuries, different, especially like knee and ankle injuries.
0: Yeah, let's talk specifically because I know that is such a big mm-hmm. thing in basketball is the the knee and the ankle base injuries. They're going to happen even if things are even if things are perfect on paper. We are maybe we are staying active every day, but we're going to run into these things just based mm-hmm. on stress. And I'm, I imagine if some of these school teams and club teams, like they're doing more than the, what the body's capable of, maybe they're not eating enough, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. So like, what are some things that you like to kind of include in, in your strength and conditioning programs to just make sure that they're staying healthy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my approach is very holistic based. Um, so I've kind of learned if, if you're over the years, if you're, Crushing it at the gym, your your training sessions are awesome, but you know you're coming home. You're not eating properly. You're not fueling properly. Uh, your sleep is trash. Uh, your stress levels are through the roof. You're not recovering properly. Like, really, doesn't matter what you're doing in the gym because you're you're going to be kind of spinning your tires. You're leaving so much on the table the other twenty three hours of the day. Um, so very, very important. And I think, I think most trainers kind of understand this, the longer you're, you're in the game, you're like, Oh yeah, working out is great. But I like, it's so important. It's crucial to recover. Like you won't get results Mm -hmm. if the recovery and the, uh, the lifestyle practices aren't there. Mm -hmm. So for basketball athletes specifically, um, and especially like, you know, busy youth basketball athletes with school and exams and, work and, and everything going on, um, I think recovery and, and sleep is one of the biggest, most important things, especially in our modern day lifestyle. And this is something I'm I'm still working on myself as well, too. I think uh, a lot of people struggle with just being able to wind down, get that good quality sleep and recovery, um, staying off the screens the last hour before bed, mm-hmm. really allowing the, the nervous system to downregulate and kind of get into that parasympathetic rest and digest recovery mode mm-hmm. um, so I th- I'd say sleep is honestly one of the biggest factors um, hydration in general most people are dehydrated so just you know um, being adequately hydrated in order to um, for our body just to operate properly yep. Um, I mean that's even like cognitive function your mood um risk of of injury and and repair and everything uh mm-hmm. recovery goes up too so what's your um, opinion on um sorry for cutting you off what's your yeah, opinion opinion on
0: kind of electrolytes as well as mm-hmm. is hydration not just drinking straight water do you kind is of there, being, incorporating that uh, yeah
1: yeah and trying to avoid uh trying to avoid tap water getting good quality um, mineral water um mm-hmm. more like a good quality filtered water um yeah absolutely huge and then um in terms of recovery doing uh doing what you need um a lot of basketball athletes will and i've done this in college i would you know strap on the old bags of ice on the knees (laughs) takes away some soreness and (laughs) um, a lot of nba players will still do this and it's just kind of like one of those old school mentalities kind of a, a lingering myth that's been out there the whole rat uh rice rest ice compression elevation um even the doctor who coined that term is, has came out years ago and said, ice is actually not the most beneficial um, for you know right after a game or if you have a sprained ankle or if your knees are a little bit sore. A lot of time, and I know I've heard you talk about this as well too, um, we don't wanna ice and down regulate that, that natural hormetic response of the body's um, giving us right after. That's That's important to help with the recovery process. Mm-hmm. So for basketball athletes or any athlete out there who's like used to like icing or hitting the ice bath right after a strength training session um, or icing up the knees after a, a basketball or the ankle after rolling it, ice can be a good tool at some times, but a lot of times it's not going to be the best tool. So um, using heat can be a good tool. Um, you know, if, if the uh, ankle's a little bit sore and you rolled it. I'd recommend just using a heating pad or contrasting warm and cold rather than icing the ankle because that's actually going to encourage blood flow and uh, get all the um, important properties in the blood that's going to help with uh, recovery to that injury site. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just in general, like um, uh, managing stress, managing workload. If, If you were up late studying and had an exam and then, you know, didn't get much food in, but you have this big training session schedule, like, Hey, maybe you got to adapt and like take, take that day off or, uh, modify it and just do more of a recovery focused session, um, rather than overdoing it. Or maybe you're, if you're showing up to practice as a basketball athlete, maybe just telling your coach, Hey coach, like I had a busy day. Um, I got this and this and this going on, mm-hmm. just letting him know, not being like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, slack today, but just, just communicating that and letting, uh, letting the coach and and the trainers know, so they can, uh, help be on the same page. But I think in general, there's like managing stress, um, mm-hmm. taking care of the body through night, nutrition, sleep, and hydration and getting in enough protein, I, I guess is the one thing I'd say about, uh, nutrition is 90% of people, I would say don't, uh, get enough protein in. And as you know, if you're not getting enough protein, you're just not optimizing that uh, recovery. And then just going to be more likely to get injured as well if you don't get enough protein in. So,
0: yeah, those are all great advice. Definitely. Um- Do you have any, for your athletes, do you use any kind of KPIs, key performance indicators for monitoring recovery? Like are you, obviously this might be a little bit kind of more higher level, but like are you looking at like resting heart rate? Are you looking at potentially heart rate variability for some of your kind of athletes that maybe are a little bit more serious and want to take it to that next level, college level pro Mm -hmm. eventually?
1: Yeah, great question. Yeah, so for some of the more advanced guys, I think using tools like heart rate variability, um, or just like a training readiness score of just kind of how you're feeling in the morning, um, based on your sleep, nutrition, uh, hydration, soreness levels, everything like that, um, I think is, is important for some of those high level guys. Mm -hmm. Um, super, super important, especially if it's, if it's your career, or if you're trying to play at that next level, um, Mm -hmm. really being aware and developing awareness around how your body's feeling. And what you're capable of of doing in the gym or on the court that day. Um, for a lot of the youth basketball athletes, I start uh I start the session just by chatting with them for a couple minutes and just kind of getting a feel for where they're at. How's your day? How's your sleep? How much food have you had today? How are you feeling overall? How's the energy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how's your last practice or game? How are you feeling any soreness? Um, and just just a quick check-in while they're kind of getting their their warm-up in. Yep. Just kind of feeling out where they're at and uh yeah. And then a lot of times um, we'll have to modify something for them um, based on what's going on. Or maybe they had to like tweak their ankle. It's not injured. It's not bad or anything, but it's like a slight tweak. So we'll just, maybe we're not going to go hard on change of direction that day and we're going to focus on some recovery. So, yeah. yeah, no, I think that you said
0: before the communication aspect with yeah. the the athlete and the coach and the, the personal trainer is so important. I think it's way more valuable than the actual, tracking metrics themselves obviously it can be nice to kind of validate what mm-hmm. we're feeling subjectively but if we can help kind of teach an athlete some of the signs um, that they should be looking for to, to know whether or not they're kind of ready to perform at a high level is going to be way more valuable over someone's long-term athletic career and then just like regular life after sport as well
1: 100 percent, 100 percent, man yeah and i uh i really like to empower my athletes and and help them help encourage that awareness building because it's so huge. It's like, it's awesome. Like, you know, if they're training with me three days a week for an hour, that's awesome. But there's 23 day, 23 hours in every day <laughs> that they're not with me. Mm-hmm. So really it's about empowering, like whether it's my in-person youth basketball athletes or my guys in their thirties, forties, fifties, I train online. Um, it's about empowering them to build that awareness and that accountability um, within their, se- within themselves. So for, you know, with nutrition, for example, most people will sit down and have a meal and have no idea how many calories are in it, how many grams of carbs, fats, proteins. There's no awareness around that. Mm-hmm. So, just helping someone build some awareness around being able to, you know, over the weeks and months, being able to sit down, look at a plate and kind of know, okay, this is roughly like this is about 40, 50 grams of protein right here. And just to know roughly what you're about to put in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, for like recovery or mobility and uh, readiness scores, just like empowering these athletes and these people to really take accountability in your own body. Like your body is your vehicle. It's your one vehicle that you get for life. So just teaching people just how to kind of check in and, and know um, what's kind of the best for them to do that day. So.
0: No, that's, that's some good advice. Definitely. And I like you had a post about kind of, how you talk about not necessarily being neurotic or being obsessive over these, like knowing exactly how much protein you're taking in and carbs and stuff. But like you said, it's Mm -hmm. nice to have some level of awareness. And then once you have that level of awareness, then you can make better decisions going forward. And I I think the people that are more neurotic, like the bodybuilders and, and physique based athletes, um, it ends up being more more of a negative for just the regular general population person if they're obsessively right. tracking every little morsel piece of food that they're eating. But if they can get in a general ballpark area of kind of what they should be getting, mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll hit, they'll probably get 95% of the benefit, 90% mm-hmm. of the benefits.
1: Yeah, totally. I think I think a big part of it comes down to like the The best thing for you and and results and progress is going to be the thing that you can do consistently. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you can be like ninety percent dialed, ninety percent of the time, that's going to be much better than being a hundred percent dialed, like sixty percent of the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just generally trying to do most of the things right most of the time. But yeah, it's, you know, everyone's got busy lives and stuff happens and comes up. So. I'm just being flexible and adapting with it, but absolutely. it's it's all about making it a lifestyle.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about isometrics because that's Mm -hmm. kind of like something that's talked about in the athletic communities around injury prevention. How are you incorporating isometrics into these athletes training um, Mm -hmm. for building maybe resiliency or overcoming injuries, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, good question, man. Yeah, I love it. So I was just doing some uh, some isometric or some pause reps uh, with my athletes yesterday, and we were talking about this as well. Um, a lot of times, so as part of a warm-up, I'll throw in some some iso lunges or basically like pause lunges. You're just holding the bottom part of a lunge position for 20, 30 seconds um, or the bottom part of a squat or push-up or whatever it is. But yeah, um, I like isometrics as a tool. Um, for developing uh, resiliency with minimizing risk of injury. Yeah. So, really good tool for warming up. If a basketball athlete, for example, has bad knees um, or weaker knees and they tend to get sore just from a lot of pounding, a lot of jumping, running, changing direction. Um, as we build up their strength and make those knees better, a big part of their warm up will be like including a couple isometrics. So it's a really good way to get the muscles engaged and fired, but you're not loading the joints a ton. You're not moving the joints through ranges of motion back and forth and putting a lot of stress on them. Mm-hmm. So a really good way, I find, to get the joints um, and the muscles kind of engaged and warmed up in an easy way um, to incorporate in a warm-up or as a finisher, like um, at the end of a set, just really trying to maximize uh, an isometric hold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so really good for uh, warming up and uh, preventing injury, just for strengthening up uh, those joints and muscles with without loading the joints and putting a ton of stress on them. And then when people um, are just getting started for a lot of uh, beginners – a lot of the movement patterns might not necessarily be there yet. So if we can just kind of break down the movement and pause, so rather than repping out the full movement, you just pause at the bottom, hold that for 10 seconds, and then we'll do the other side. Um, And then we can really strengthen the tough part because with a lunge or a squat, the toughest part is gonna be the bottom position. So if we can just strengthen up holding that bottom position that those weaker points and, and mm-hmm. really for basketball athletes, especially like getting strong in those low positions, mm-hmm. is really important. Um, so it's a good, safe, effective way to do that. I feel.
0: Yeah. And yeah. also at the same time, I think it comes down to just like variability. Cause I imagine with most yeah. basketball athletes, they're moving very quickly, very explosively. They're not, they're not moving slow. So just by mm-hmm. training that opposite end of the spectrum, we exactly. can make that person more resilient over time
1: exactly just like what we were talking about before they're getting a lot of that springy quick explosive movement on the court so just giving them some slow isometrics Mm -hmm. um, or slow eccentrics or whatever it is just to balance out what they're basically not getting from sport so yeah
0: Um, some of my kind of older individuals they have some knee issues and i'll have them do the the spanish squats um do you do you know like the science behind what's happening at the tendon level at the joint level that causes that decrease in pain
1: With Spanish squats specifically with the band,
0: yeah, because that's like some that's a version of an isometric, right? And (laughs) imagine it kind of similar across all isometrics. Um, Is there something happening at that tendon that's kind of making it making that pain signal go down? Or
1: I've done Spanish squats a a few times over the years. Um, Not something that I do a ton, but I do I do like them, and I think they are a great tool. Um, (laughs) There definitely are some tendon benefits. I know Jake Tura on Instagram or Jake Tura. I don't know if you follow him, but he's uh, he's a great resource for a lot of these uh, uh, tendon isometric um, questions and stuff. So I know he talks about he goes really deep into the weeds on the science behind uh, you know the benefits to the tendons and everything. But yeah, as far as I understand, um, big benefit to strengthen up the tendons through the through the isometrics, but not not super well versed on the the specific mechanisms, I guess. Yeah.
0: I want to kind of shift a little, a little bit now into kind of the, you, you've mentioned in the past stamina. Is mm-hmm. this an issue that you're seeing commonly with fastball athletes? They just don't have enough gas, like mm-hmm. their cardiovascular systems aren't well developed enough to kind of sustain performance for the, over the course of an entire game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So I think stamina, um, is huge for basketball athletes. It's, you run so much in basketball and soccer and a lot of these sports compared to um, other sports that's more st- start and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so stamina is absolutely huge. And uh, we we tend to focus on uh, training uh, the different energy systems. So we do some explosiveness. I think it is important to have a well-rounded athlete. Um, and then also, I'll say this before I get into it, is uh, the more conditioning and just stamina you have, it's going to give you a bigger, bigger engine. So your capacity for work is going to be greater. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to allow you to recover quicker in between sets and reps and on the court. Um, and as well, it's, it's just going to help you with your heart rate and just your overall um, system, like your body's functioning. So I think it's super, super important. Um, so we will condition um, explosiveness uh, tendencies in athletes. So high intensity uh, plyometrics for low reps. So we're doing, you know, five jumps, but absolutely flat out as, as explosively as you can. Mm-hmm. And then we'll touch on some, uh, some more intermediate conditioning where it's kind of that, uh, that middle ground of medium intensity. Um, and then we'll do some long, slow intensity with my sessions. I don't get them to, you know, do slow intensity for half an hour while I just sit there and watch them. But <laughs> I do encourage them like, you know, long walks or bike rides or even just, um, you know, drills, uh, doing drills at a, a medium intensity. Not not specifically like um, drills where you're trying to get more explosive, but maybe just some specific like ball handling drills where you're getting a, your heart rate up, you're getting a sweat on. Mm-hmm but uh, you're getting those conditioning uh, qualities as well. So I think it's important, especially for basketball athletes, not to make the mistake that I did of just doing a ton of long distance running and my cardiovascular capacity is, is through the roof and I can play full games and run my guy around the court and tire out my defender. But when it comes to me actually like beating him off that first step, I just didn't have that explosiveness because I wasn't training uh, my fossil creatine or – Uh, explosive system Um, so I think it's really important to have that balance for basketball athletes you have to have the stamina because you can't be you know dying hands on the knees in the fourth quarter getting blown by just because you don't have that stamina Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time can't just do a lot of like long slow endurance work because then you're kind of conditioning your body to move at that sub uh, sub maximal speed Mm -hmm then essentially you're conditioning your nervous system to not be um, as explosive. So when it does come time to, to be really explosive, um, you want to be able to have that, that strength and that power there. So um, yeah, I encourage the, uh, the full well-rounded uh, kind of training all three of those energy systems. And that's, I think, why it's good too for a lot of these athletes to play multiple sports because you just are naturally going to get those sprinkled in through, through different sports.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like nowadays, uh, zone two work has become so popular. The, the longer, slower, yeah. um, hopping on the on the bike, hopping on the elliptical, and obviously there are benefits like you said, but it's not the only thing that needs to be trained to have a well developed aerobic system or anaerobic totally. system. Right? Yeah. So,
1: yeah, and there might be things like for an athlete, there might be things that you can do while you're getting that zone two. Um, and you're, uh, improving a skill. So like, maybe you're just like dribbling a basketball at a zone two rate, but now you just got in half an hour of ball handling at the same time kind of thing or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Just as one example, being being more efficient with your time, exactly exactly. stacking, stacking those habits in your favor.
0: Yeah. And then I also noticed that you do a lot of sled work. I imagine that kind of plays into the conditioning aspect as well. The reverse sled drags, the forward sled drags. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone that's uh, followed me or has or trained with me, they know I love my sleds. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the sled, sleds are a great tool. Um, sled pushes, sled drags, sideways, like lateral drags, a um, bunch of different options. But yeah, such a great tool. I think for a few reasons, um, I won't use them specifically as like a conditioning tool just like five minutes as many pushes but for like sled drags for example you're uh really conditioning the legs like we'll go lighter on the backward sled drags where you're really just getting a good leg burn mm-hmm. um, you're going for maybe a two minutes straight just slow steady consistent you're getting your heart rate up you're getting some conditioning but we're we're uh strengthening and targeting those legs exactly where you want uh where you want to really strengthen up especially the knees mm-hmm. and uh a big thing that I like about the sleds too is that it gets the, it gets the foot and the ankle more involved compared to, you know, squats, deadlifts, lunges, um, where that foot's pretty much stationary and staying flat with the sled, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting that toe off, you're getting that triple extension. Mm-hmm. So you get the hip extension and then coming through the knee and then through the, the ankle and the foot. And what I see with a lot of athletes and just a lot of people in general these days is a lot of weak feet and weak ankles. Mm-hmm. So the toe or the um the sleds are just one way to strengthen up uh, that foot and ankle complex and just get that involved. And then as well, you're getting cardio, you're getting some upper body as well to be able to, like brace and 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 uh, you know transfer that force through to the sled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a lot of basketball athletes, it I feel like the sleds are just an awesome tool to teach them how to um how to apply force rather than talking about like shin angle and hip position and torso angle and um like foot striking patterns if i just push them put them on a sled that's uh you know loaded up a little bit so it's hard for them to push Mm -hmm. their body will naturally just coordinate and and figure out how to kind of lean in and push and then we do talk about um things like i I cue them on specific things to help them but Mm -hmm. i think it's just a great tool that and it's super safe too you can load up a sled with 300 pounds Worst case scenario, if someone can't push it, the sled just doesn't move, right? It's not like <laughs> a big weight on you and risking a, an injury or a back injury or anything. So yeah, really good tool for teaching athletes how to use that positioning. And for like uh, any athlete that's, you know, doing any type of contact, like there's a lot of contact in basketball when you're driving in, you got to learn how to absorb contact, lean into guys um, and take that contact. So it just uh, really helps with positioning um, developing the foot and ankle complex and some strength and just movement patterns of, uh, of body positioning, which is huge.
0: No, I, I never, there's so many benefits of the sled work that, yeah, thanks for pointing those things out. That's yeah. awesome.
1: You ever hit those for a warm up at all?
0: I do. I do. I mostly do like the reverse sled drags. Yep. Um, yep. I should also start incorporating some of the, the forward though as well. Cause I <laughs> imagine also has some carryover to sprinting qualities yep. as well. Right.
1: I would say so for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, What are some of the, you mentioned cueing on the sled push. What are some like, give me three of your kind of favorite cues you like to kind of tell someone when they're, they're pushing a sled.
1: Oh, yeah. So on a sled push, um, three cues, I'd say one of the biggest ones is maintaining posture. So you don't want to be like rounding through the back and just like muscling through really having good, strong posture through the back, uh, through the hips. Um, So posture would be a big one. Yeah. Um And then uh, full, smooth steps. So rather than kind of like jerky, choppy steps, um, really encouraging athletes to get a full extension and really just working on that hip extension. So hip flexion extension and really feeling that left versus right side mm-hmm. and seeing if there's any differences or imbalances. If you can feel like one leg is easier to push with or it's more lined up or it's able to, to hit the ground harder so really just, and this is kind of like what you're talking about with sprinting. Mm -hmm. It almost slows down your steps and allows you to develop awareness around imbalances or around, uh, like striking patterns and stuff. Mm -hmm. So posture, uh, smooth, full steps. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what would be another one? I would say, um, yeah, main, like, maintaining breathing is a big one i feel like everything have a tendency to hold their breath so Mm -hmm. keeping like if you're doing a sled push for 30 seconds you might be able to get away with holding your breath for the first 10 seconds but then it's going to catch up to you so being able to maintain proper bracing and breathing under Mm -hmm. tension um for things like sled pushes i think is important so Mm -hmm. no thank you those are some great Great cues, for sure, and that 's something that
0: I see with a lot of my people. I did a post about this is just like the breathing during sets is so important because when we stop breathing that 's when our we get more fatigued that 's when our form starts to break down, so if we can find ways to breathe more efficiently, we can make it yeah. we can end up doing more high quality work over the long run
1: a hundred percent, yeah, unfortunately, our muscles need oxygen to uh, contract <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like covering up the air intake on the under the hood of a car, like your engine's not going to work very well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Breathing super, super important. Well,
0: I feel like we covered a lot of great stuff today. Is there absolutely. anything specifically that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet in terms of youth uh-huh. development? It's okay if you can't think of anything, but um, like I said, this is a lot of great information for the,
1: the audience. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, great, great uh, discussion. Great questions in general. And yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me, man. Um, I would say I think the one thing um, would be for youth basketball athletes would just be transitioning beyond that. So for a lot of athletes that might listen to this, or um, you know, are in high school, um, junior high, high school, maybe they are at that college or university level. Um, I think just transitioning beyond sport into life, um, is super, super important for a lot of these athletes I see. And that's kind of the online side of my business that I deal with is working with retired athletes that used to play competitive sports, but now, you know, working a a busy nine to five job, Mm -hmm. still playing men's league, like to get out snowboarding, hiking, running, whatever it is, biking, but they've just gained weight. They're sitting at a desk. A lot of times, um, they've just lost that, but they still want to get out and like compete and have fun. So Mm -hmm. I would say just the the aspect of continuing to make it a part of your lifestyle. And after after athletes finish high school or college, um, not to lose that. And maybe you're not playing every day, but, uh, you know, get out and play in the men's league like once a week um, to still do something every day to allow you to like encourage you to do the things that you uh, want to do to allow Mm -hmm. you to do things that you want to do if you want to play basketball and snowboard and you know throw a ball around with your kids and go play basketball with your kids and and all that kind of stuff I think a huge part of quality of life comes from the ability to have to to do those things that you enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and a lot of that comes from uh being able to be physically capable of doing it so Mm -hmm. I see a lot of athletes that are like high level athletes in you know high school or university by the time they get to their 30s they've kind of let let things slip with their health So in general, just like never, never losing that, like love for sport, for the game, for exercise, for, for fitness, for health, um, being able to, you know, just not let it completely slide. You don't have to, you know, stay at an elite level of athleticism, but Mm -hmm. I just encourage, like, like I said before, if you, if you don't use it, uh, you won't lose it. Or if you uh, don't use it, you lose it. If you use it, you'll never lose it. So just keep on doing something active and and make it a part of the lifestyle. And, uh, yeah
0: yeah i feel like a lot of athletes who kind of hit those higher echelons they get a little bit burnt out by the end so when they when they're done they just kind of they may put more more of their attention towards their family or their careers but then they neglect their health and then we end up getting these people when in when they're in their 30s 40s 50s and they're hurting so do yourself a, a service and like try to find something that is enjoyable that Provides you some sort of health benefits and, and touches on these different things
1: that uh, Phil has discussed with us today. 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of athletes struggle with, they're like, after sport is done, they're like, oh, well, I, I'm not training for competition. I'm not training for sports. So they don't, it's like, They don't have something to train for to motivate them. So Mm -hmm. after that point, just transitioning is just about finding a new focus, like finding a new hobby that you enjoy to keep you motivated in the gym or finding a friend that you like working out with or something. So just Mm -hmm. kind of finding that pivoting into that next chapter of life is, uh, is really important. So you don't have to end up, uh, you know, going through a struggle in your, in your twenties and thirties. Yeah. Sometimes my,
0: I make a joke with some of my clients, they'll ask me like, why am I doing this? I'm like, yeah, Yeah. we're we're training so you don't die essentially. (laughs)
1: we're making you harder to kill
0: making you harder to kill
1: yeah you're going to live longer harder to kill yeah and i mean um what's the one quote talking about uh uh just like health and longevity something something to do with basically like we have a life expectancy and like our our lifespan and then we have yeah lifespan and health span so we have a lifespan but like a lot of people aren't really living their last 10 years of life. They're not mobile. They're not really able to do the things that they love. So if you're able to extend your health span and keep doing the things that you love into your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, one of the most inspiring things for me is when, when I go snowboarding, I ride up the chairlift with some 80-year-old guy who's like, oh yeah, I've <laughs> come here for 40 years. Like that, that gets me so fired up. And they're, they're out there ripping down a mountain on skis in their 80s and, uh, yeah and they're always super sharp and super just like happy and positive and like it it's pretty inspiring just a huge correlation between health happiness longevity and uh and just taking care of your body so mental health physical health it's all tied in so
0: that's definitely a great uh, message to kind of finish things up on um i'd love to have you back on again we can kind of get more into the the specifics around how the training might change for someone a little bit older, but just for today, it was kind of, we'll stop things there. Absolutely. Or here. Can you give us a little bit more information about where people can reach you for coaching, your Instagram, anything that you want to kind of plug?
1: Uh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Matt. We appreciate it. And, uh, would love to be back on and, and, uh, have another conversation mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm gonna keep listening to your, uh, your other episodes. Those are awesome. Um, for myself, um, Biggest thing I'm active on is uh, Instagram. So, social media um, on Instagram is PJ Performance Training, PJ underscore performance underscore training. Um, check that out if you have any questions or if you're interested in training or anything, if you're a basketball athlete or um, just have any questions about the podcast or anything, uh, shoot me a DM. And then uh, my email as well is just Phil J p-h-i-l-j at live.ca if you have any questions. And uh, yeah, give me a follow. Got some good content on there. I always try to, to share some stuff for uh, mm-hmm. for people. So yeah. But uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. Looking forward to uh, to another discussion. Anytime. Thanks again, man. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Fitness Knobs Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussion, hit subscribe for more. Share with your fitness crew and help us grow by leaving a review. Stay fit. Stay curious. This is Matt Flynn signing off.